following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Wow. Welcome to August 19, 2018. Do you believe that? We are toward the end of the month of August. We're having a fabulous time here uh, in August. We're, we're talking about having an August month. Not August. We're not celebrating Caesar Augustus in his 31 days. He was a, a, a great Caesar in, in Rome. We're not, we're not celebrating him, an emperor. We're not celebrating him. We're celebrating the fact that August means to have an uplifting, splendid, blessed time in your life. And so we're going to have an August month in August. And that's what we're talking about. So two weeks ago, I talked about this is the day the Lord has made. We're going to rejoice and be glad. And last, last Sunday, I talked about Lazarus also. They came not only to see Jesus after the resurrection, they came to see the miracle. They came to see Lazarus also. And it's an honor to represent the Lord in our society, isn't it? Isn't it a great day to represent the Lord? What a joy to see you here today. And uh, you act like you're having fun. Did you get your coffee? First church didn't have their coffee. You better get your coffee in you. Because I'm going to be running fast today. Would you stand all over the building? I'm going to speak today on the subject, do I really matter? Or do I really matter to God? Do I matter? Is there matter in my life? And uh, we're going to speak on that. Of course, you already know the answer to that. But the Bible says in Psalms chapter 139, David said, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. I love this. And all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Isn't that an amazing thing? Do you believe there's a God that knows about us? Amen. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor. I want to tell you a little joke before you sit down because I like to make you laugh a little bit. If you don't laugh, then you won't enjoy nothing I say today. <laughs> so there's two guys on earth that always argued what color Jesus was. And they said, when we get to heaven, we're going to settle the argument. One said he's black. The other said, no, he's white. And so they fussed and fussed week and week. And so they made this bet. They made this bet, this wager, that when they got to heaven and whoever won, the other had to pick him up and carry him through the gates. So they happened to die on the same day, about the same hour, got to heaven about the same time. Pete meets them at the gate and they said, sir, before we come in, we'd like to know what color Jesus is. About that time, Jesus walked up and he says, Buenos Dias. (laughs) Now, if you didn't laugh at that, you don't have a sense of humor. That's funny. That's funny. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor today. You're awesome people. I love you very, very much. My, 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 my. Buenos dias. I love church here. I love what this church is about. People many times come to the pastor's office in great distress and they seek counsel. And uh, that's appropriate. And though we don't always have precise solutions and for their dilemmas, a kind pastor can certainly lend a, an ear and provide a safe and conscient, confidential place for, for people to talk and share their troubles. And we connect them with a loving, all-wise, all-powerful God. That's the greatest thing we can do. And some people have come to my office and they feel so low, they feel as if they're pushing up the bottom. They're not even on the bottom. They're pushing up the bottom. 
And they've made statements like this in my life. My mistakes have been so awful that there's no way, Pastor, we can ever repair the damages in our lives. My sickness is so serious and the prognosis is so dismal that I ought to save everybody a lot of trouble and expense and just end it all. And every time I, everything I attempt, Pastor, fails and I'm just a jinxed person, I'm a born loser, or I'm not useful or needed by anyone, I'm good for nothing. And faced with that kind of pessimism and that kind of depression, I sometimes ask kindly, clearly, but, but, but sharply, I say, who gave you the right to evaluate yourself? Who gave you that right? How did you determine that? Who died and made you God? They look at me as if I've spoken in an unknown tongue because they've been listening to the wrong voice. And I explain only God has the right to make the final evaluation of all of us. You are not your maker. But I know who your maker is. The two greatest lessons I ever learned in life was there is a God, number one, and number two, I'm not him. And I believe that. He's the almighty God. So I'll tell them, let's see what God has to say about you. To make my point, I sometimes would take out my wallet. And if it was a good day for me, I'd have a $20 bill in it. And if it was a real good day, I'd have a $100 bill, but most of the time it was just a good day. And I'd take out an Andrew Jackson. I'd take out a $20 bill with a face on it. And I'd say to my friend, friend, if I give you this, will you receive it? And the friend says, well, sure, I'll receive it. Then I say, okay, watch this. And I take that bill and I wad it up. And I make it look all crinkly. And sometimes I've tried to tighten a little knot or something, you know. And I say, still take it? Yeah, I'll take it. Then I'll put it on the ground and I kind of step on it. Just kind of turn my foot on it. And I pick it back up and I say, now it's been stomped. It's got dirty. Still want it? Yeah, I want it. You know why you want it? It's made by the U.S. government. And you've got faith in the U.S. government. No matter if it's stomped, if it's bruised, no matter what happens to it, no matter what comes of it, the maker is the United States of America, and they'll stand behind even one that's crumpled. And then I stop and I say, now, your maker is God. His evaluation of you never changes. It's constant because he cannot deny himself. And if you're dirty, if you're roughed up, if you're stomped on, or if you've had a bad day, when he made you in his image, he hung an invisible price tag around your neck. There's no dollar figure on that price tag because dollar figures don't go high enough. But God has written just one word on your price tag, and that word is priceless. There's no price big enough to purchase you from him because he's already purchased you. Then one day, 2,000 years ago, God robed himself in flesh and sent his son and he died on a cross for you. And on that day, that one word in your price tag was capitalized and red blood was scripted and surrounded by flashing lights and it still reads priceless. But now it's red and now it's all caps and not lower letters. Because when Jesus shed his blood for you, it made you even more priceless than before. And that is your real net worth. Do you really matter to God? Well, of course you do, without a doubt. And so the Lord has just told me to give you four beautiful points. It's just kind of a reminder, son. Do you know, you know football is coming, and I watched the Dallas Cowboys last night, and they're, they're pitiful. <laughs> they're pitiful. I'm not a coach, but I am a life coach, and they're, they're pitiful. 
Once you get past that offensive line and that first line defense, it's downhill, baby. It's downhill. So save your money, give to the church, and don't bet on the Cowboys this year. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's a good sermon right there. Okay. So so anyhow, I want to talk to you just a minute. I want to share something with you, just four little old points. It's called Back to Basic Points. Because it's, it's, it's football time and people are learning how to play the game and, and they're not coaching well enough in Dallas and some of them boys are running the wrong way. I remember one year Mac Brown asked me to come out to the University of Texas and, and I said, Coach, you got some speed this year. He said, yeah, but the problem, Pastor, is that they're not all running the right direction. <laughs> I got to get them running right. So I want to give you a little, just a little spring training here, a little fall practice here. We're going to just share some things with you and see what God will do. The first thing I know that you are important and special to God is you were God's idea before your mother ever conceived you. Write this down and put it on your refrigerator. Write this down. Say, God knew me. Write it down. God knew me. The Darwinians, the evolutionists, would have you believe that God had nothing to do with your origin, that you're just an accident of nature, but the Bible says, no, no, no. God spoke these words to Jeremiah many years ago. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. God knew him. God had a name for him. God put his blessing on him before he ever came out of the womb. Because every person is originally God's idea. No one is ordinary. Everybody is extraordinary. Amen. What a joy. David said in Psalm 139, he said, Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I went yesterday to see Kevin and Courtney Fluitt. Kevin was a little old four-year-old boy when I came to this church, and now he's 31 years old, and he's a doctor, and he does so well, and, 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 and I, I blessed them, and, and I, they blessed me, and Courtney is more beautiful now than ever. She's had a baby, and, and I told her she was prettier now than ever because mothers are more beautiful than anything in the world, and I believe that. All you mamas say amen to me on that. So, so Kevin, I, I held the baby for a while, and I said, I'm holding a miracle, and we talked about the miracle of life, and Kevin comes over, and he said, Pastor, Pastor. I talk to her every night. I talk to this baby girl every night. Little girl, Emery Joe. So I talk to this baby every night and said, said, she knows my voice. And I looked at him and I said, Kevin, there was somebody else talking to her too. <laughs> and it wasn't me. It was your God. Your God talked to her every night. Your God was speaking things to her in this woman's womb that was un- unbelievable, things that you'd never think about because God knew me before I was ever born. Somebody needs to clap to that because you're not an accident. Every person in this building today then is immortal. Every person is immortal. We'll live forever somewhere, whether in heaven or that other place. Co- governments come and go, folks. Seldom does one last for a thousand years. Cultures and civilizations do the same. Not a single corporation has any real permanence. It's rare for one to last a hundred years. But each person that I'm speaking to today has a soul and a spirit inside of you that will live forever. And so the waitress that will serve you today at lunch or the person that cleans the church and becomes a custodian here, or even that that man that sleeps by himself, that transit person who slept in the park last night on a bench. They all are immortal. Everybody matters because we're all a part of the kingdom of Almighty God. God put us here. And I know, 
I know that women think that they're, they're the better half, and they really, really are. They're the better half because God started with us and then said, I can do better than that, took a rib and made a woman. Oh, I'm going to get some tithes and some offerings from ladies here today. Amen. But other than communion, when we take it in the Bible, the most holy object you'll ever see perhaps is your neighbor. When you get up in the morning and look at your face in the mirror, you're gazing at an original, an original from Almighty God. He knew you before you were ever born. Everybody say, I'm special to God. The second thing I want to share with you is that you bear an amazing resemblance to God because not only did he know you, everybody write down, he made me. He made me. I was made in God's image. You were an image of God. That does not mean that we're miniature gods, but it does mean that human beings have some godly capacities. We have creativity in us. We are spiritual. We're rational. We're moral And we're immortal creatures. Though sin has spoiled and distorted our godly image in many of us, we're still reflections of the Almighty God. And I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, well, Pastor, I wish God would have given me more hair. I I do too. (laughs) Or made me taller or maybe less bow-legged or less freckled. But come on, folks. Even God could only do so much with the raw material he had to work with. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah, I think I'm going to have a hair transplant and get it all fixed. (laughs) Regardless of what Darwin may think, we are as different from other creatures as animals are different from vegetables. Because God said in Genesis 1, 26, let us make man in our image, I love this, and in our likeness, and let them rule over all the earth. Can I tell you, there's not a lion, there's not a zebra, there's not a lynx, there's not a bear. That we do not have dominion over. I know you may have to have a gun with you sometime. But God has given us provision because he told us to have dominion over the earth. And we are his greatest, greatest creation. He made us on the sixth day. Everything else was good. But when he made us, we were very good. Hallelujah. It's amazing. Clap your hands because you're not an ordinary. You are a special, special person in the kingdom of God. Clap your hands. And rejoice to that. David declared, I will praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you realize, folks, now I'm going to test some of your science. Do you realize if a DNA DNA strands from your body were stretched out in sequence, they would reach the sun and back 400 times? Don't tell me you're just a little old clump of coal, just a little old piece of dirt. There's all kinds of things running in your body. There's all kinds of things running through you, and your DNA would go to the sun and back 400 times because God made you so individual. I know, I know it's hard to put up with me, but folks, I'm an original. Like it or lump it, you'll never replace me, and I'll never replace any of you. Because like it or lump it, everybody here's an original. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm an original. Come on, say it. I'm an original. So I'm not going to try to be like you. I'm not going to try to act like you. I'm going to be who I am because God made me just like he made you. Somebody help me preach right now. And we are all special because God made us. If you cut your finger, folks, if you cut your finger peeling an apple or something, it'll heal by itself. 
Imagine if you had a car that if you had an accident, it would heal itself the next morning. You'd get all kinds of money for that car. And you tell me that you're just worth 98 cents. Back in the 60s, they said a human being was worth just 98 cents. Let me tell you something. We're priceless. We're God's, man, we're God, we're, we're God's masterpieces. Come on now. Clap your hands and say, that's who I am. I'm just trying to help you a little bit today. Come on, pick yourself up. Lift up your head. Redemption's coming. Redemption's coming. God's for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? You're complex. You're marvelous. You're a creation. You're made in the image of God. And the third thing, not only did he know you, not only did he make you, but he purchased you. God ransomed you at an enormous price. He purchased you. Everybody say, he bought me. Our ancestors, Adam and Eve, made the dumbest deal in history. They really did. They forfeited their godly heritage in a misguided attempt to seize the exclusive right of God, the prerogatives of God. They really did. Adam and Eve wanted to be equal to God rather than to be servants of God. And all generations since have come into this world with sin-tainted DNA. But God loved us so much that he offered a way for us to reclaim our rightful place as children of God. It cost him, folks, big time. Can I preach about the cross here? Can I talk about it? See, the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those that perish. But to us that believe, it's the power of God unto salvation. And if you don't appreciate the preaching of the cross of Jesus Christ, you need to get a hold of faith today because there's nothing more powerful than the cross. Everything we do goes back to a place called Calvary. Everything we are goes back to a place called the old rugged cross. Jesus died there for us, but thank God he's not on that cross today. He was buried, and three days later he got up out of the grave. And we're rejoicing today because he died and was buried and rose again. And no matter what puts you down, you can get up from it. You can get up from it because Jesus paid the price for you. He ransomed you on a place called Calvary. You're not your own, Paul said. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. But not only, not only does he save us and not only does he forgive us, not only does he change us, but he makes reservations for us in the eternal kingdom. He told the disciples, he told the disciples, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come again, receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. It was eight years ago on an August Sunday. We didn't have third service. Then we had an early service, an 8 o'clock service. And we'd get out early. This would be our late service. It started at 11. And I got out of church that day and I got a phone call. It was from a professional football player, one that I admire and love him like a brother. And he, in fact, he calls me coach. And he said, hey, what you doing today? I said, I'm going to eat right now. He said, you want the opportunity to meet Coach Bum Phillips and the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones? And I said, what are you selling? <laughs> That's what I said. He said, no, no, they're down here. Wade was coaching the Cowboys. He said, they're down here at San Antonio, and they want to meet you. I said, they want to meet me? He said, yeah, man, I've been talking good about you. They want to meet the preacher. They want to meet the preacher. And I said, well, man, my, 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 what do I need to do? He said, well, get dressed, get out of your church clothes, and come on down. I said, okay, I'll run by the house, get a shower, and I'll, I'll be down there by 3 o'clock. He said, okay, you'll be here at 3? I said, yeah. He said, I'll tell them. They're going to be waiting on you at 3 o'clock. He said, now here's what you need to do. Go in this certain parking lot. Is it the, go in this certain parking lot. He gave me the parking lot to go into. And he said, there are going to be two guys there. And they're going to show you where to park. And said, you're going to go down and park down there where the players and the coaches park. And I said, really? 
Now, this may not be cool for y'all because it's not you. See, it's me. <laughs> it's, like, it's like two heart attacks. If you had one, it's, it's minor. If I have one, it's massive. You know what I'm saying? But this is my story, okay? It's my story. So, so he, said, he said, these two guys are going to take you to a parking place, and then there's going to be a guy in a jacket that's going to come out. He's going to take you into the south end zone, and he's going to lead you to Jerry and to Coach Bum Phillips. And I'm thinking, the next word is April Fool, you know, but it's August. <laughs> so I get down there. I get down there. Pretty good deal, pretty good deal. So I get, get down there, and sure enough, those two guys were waiting on me. Took me down to the parking garage, and, and here's come another guy in this nice jacket, and he said, you must be Pastor Rex. I said, I am. I am. And we walk up, and when I come in the south end zone, they see me. Somebody says, that's the preacher, and they both start walking to meet me. And I said, well, praise God. And for the next 30 minutes, I talk everything from Jesus to football, everything in between to Jerry and to Coach Bum, and become friends to those two men that day and talk about the first time I met Jerry and Jerry said, preacher, we're so happy to have you. He said, I want Stephen and, and, my, and Jerry Jr. to take you out there and put you on the field with those guys and let you watch it between my two sons. And they took me. <laughs> it's like the father, son, Holy Ghost or whatever. They took, me, they took me out there. Took me out there in the middle of all that field. And I stood between these two sons of that owner. And I watched the Cowboys practice. And I said, that's a pretty good deal. But then it hit me on my way out. I said, you know what? I got something better than that waiting on me. There's a God in heaven that came to earth and died for my sins and got up from the grave and ascended and sent back the comforter. And he said, if you'll live for me, I got a place waiting for you on the other side. And I'll have angels carry you up there and they'll open a gate for you. And when I see you coming, I'll run and meet you. I'm your savior. Hear me. It's awesome when you have a Jesus that can make reservations for you on the other side. My, 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 my. So I took Bum Phillips to eat that night. When I left the restaurant, he said, Preacher, I believe I like you quicker than anybody I've ever met in my life. So I got to do his funeral in 2013, three years later. We became dearest friends. Thank you for the privilege of being able to meet you. And being able to be your friend. That gatekeeper in heaven is going to say, you know what? You're welcome here because you're sponsored by Jesus. And he wants you here. And there's one more piece of evidence of how much God loves you. Everybody say, he knew me. He made me. He ransomed me. Now write this down. Even the least of us is of enormous value to God. Say, we all count. You need to say it again. We all count. But you don't know my life, Pastor. You don't know how crumpled my situation is. You don't know where I'm at. It don't matter where you are. We all matter because this will come undone. And you can see Andrew Jackson's picture again. And the glory of God will say hallelujah on your life again. You can get all wrinkle-free again and stand before him just like this. Because everybody in this building matters to God. Let me tell you a story. 
There's a story in the Bible about, about a man named Jairus. And he was, I, I, I studied him the last couple of weeks, he was a big deal. We use him as a synagogue ruler, but he was a big deal. He was like a Jewish bishop. He was like a big deal. He was big. And he had capitulated to come to Jesus because he wasn't, he wasn't a Messiah man. But he had capitulated and come to Jesus because his daughter was dying and said, I need some help. And Jesus said, just believe only. We're going to go heal your daughter. We're going to go take care of your daughter. But while they were going, somebody said, don't bother him anymore because the daughter's dead. But can you imagine the crowd? See, because this man's a big deal. He's a massive deal. Everybody wants to be in his deal. They want to see Jesus do his thing at the bishop's house. They want to see Jesus do his thing there, and they walk in and they're following him. But in the midst of all of that is a little Gentile woman. Not a Jewish woman, but a Gentile woman. She was from Caesarea Philippi, history said. And she had a blood disorder that she had had for 12 years. She wasn't even supposed to be in public. And the Jews hated the Gentiles. And they had a big deal going on. And they was going to the big deal's house. But a little woman from Caesarea Philippi said, If I can just touch his garment, I will be made whole. And she thought it was a sin question, so she thought, maybe he'll forgive me also, but I want to be healed by him. And she wanted to touch his phylacteries because in the phylacteries was the word, and the word, she said, if I can touch the word who's carrying the word, I'll be healed. And when she touched his garment, he stopped, and he said, somebody touch me. And one of those disciples said, Lord, hey, Lord, Lord, there's a lot of people bumping into you. He said, no, 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 I'm not talking about bumping into me. Somebody touched me because I felt virtue. I felt virtue go out of me. Something went out of me. Something touched me. And this little woman walks up and said, it was me, Lord. She had the courage to do it. It was me, Lord. I touched you. And you know what he did? He said, daughter, daughter. He called the lowest form of human being at the scene that day. He called her his daughter. He's not ashamed to call anybody in this house a son or a daughter. Because it's not what you did. It's what he did for you Ow! at a place called Calvary. Somebody needs to rejoice over the fact it's not about me. It's about him. Oh, mercy, mercy, mercy. I'm feeling pretty good right now. She went away whole. And Jairus' daughter was risen from the dead. And everybody was happy. But Jesus let us know that there's nothing so low that he can't come to where you are and pick you up and heal you and send you on your way rejoicing. Somebody say amen to that. See, she discovered that day that a nobody could become a somebody. Because there's nobody who's a nobody in this church. Everybody here is a somebody because Jesus made us worthy. I'm kind of tired of hearing that unworthy business. I'll never be worthy in myself. But when I claim him, I'm worthy of what he's got for me.
He made me worthy. He made me worthy. And by his blood, I will share the worthiness that he made me have in my life. Somebody say amen. See, you take, you take the God factor out. You take the God factor out. Human values sink like a rock. Maybe we are just worth 98 cents like they said back in the 60s. And if you're just an accident, as Darwin theorized, you have little value. That's why the Sunni Muslims is worth nothing in the eyes of the Shia Muslims. Or an unborn baby is often regarded as a benign tumor for some secular pagans. But to Jesus and to the Christian community, everybody matters. And that baby matters. Amen. Our worth becomes not one penny more than others' usefulness when there is no God. Alexander Solzhenitsyn wrote a masterful novel called The Cancer Ward. I'm coming to a close. There's a young political prisoner talking to a nurse and he's reading from a patient's record in the cancer ward and the prisoner notices that hardly any people actually die in the ward. And he asks the nurse why. She says, we discharge patients here before they die. Once we see that the patient is beyond help and hope, we move, out, move them out to make room for people that we can help. See, that only makes sense under the Soviet system, which declared that there was no God and God was dead. Our human worth is not established by God. Everything can go down and die. And there the government or the system could establish human worth at 98 cents. Now contrast that cancer ward that Solzhenitsyn wrote about. Contrast that to the late Mother Teresa in India. She provided shelter and help for the homeless and the AIDS victims and the poor and the dying. And she, asked, they were, she was asked why. She explained, they are all created by God. And that's why they deserve to die with dignity. I'm going to put something on the screen that I, I, I want everybody to remember. Everybody remember, Christianity never measures people by how useful they are. We measure them according to the specifications of their maker. And God made us all. Turn to your husband, turn to your wife and say, I'm so glad God made you. Turn to your children and say, I'm so glad God gave, us to, God gave you to us. Come on, turn to somebody. Turn to your friend and say, wow, I'm glad God made you. That's beautiful, isn't it? What an expression. What an expression. I'm so glad you're here. I close today. Randy's going to come and help me. If I had to vote for the greatest work of art in the world, I would vote for Michelangelo's David. Three years ago, Patty and I were in Florence, Italy, and we saw the masterful 17-foot-tall statue. And I watched it and looked at it for probably 30 minutes. I walked around it. it. It was absolutely exquisite. It was a masterpiece of Renaissance sculpture. And, and in fact, there's more unfinished masterpieces in Michelangelo's world than there are finished ones but this one he finished and he he portrayed David at the moment he decides to go to battle Goliath in the valley of Elah that's when he that's when he that's when he produced it in that moment in his mind and he created David from a huge block of marble that had been quarried 25 years earlier in northern Italy now you got to get this this is powerful two other sculptors two other Italian sculptors got a shot at it first because they wanted a David. They wanted to do David. And they attempted to work on the block of marble. But they had given up. And here's why they gave up. They claimed that the quality of the marble was inferior. <laughs> but when Michelangelo's genius. Came to bear on this block of marble. It became David. 
There's a lot of folks that want to throw you in the briar patch, throw you away, say you're not useful, you're not worth it. But Jesus will never do that. It doesn't matter how unpliable the marble is. When a genius gets a hold of you, he'll make you into an overcomer. He'll make you into a person that loves Jesus and is a witness for the kingdom of God. That's the kind of Savior we have. That's the kind of Savior we have. Everybody say, He knew me. He made me. He ransomed me. And I can do this thing called life. I can do it. Because of Him. Because of Him. Because of Him. And so I put up on the screen... He made you in his image and redeemed you on the cross. Two great things. So the last thing I want you to see before you go home today is this word on the screen. It says priceless. That's what you are. You're priceless. You mean everything to him. If he doesn't mean everything to you, you need to find the Jesus that I'm talking about today. He's everything. He's everything. That's it. Go ahead and clap, sir, till somebody claps with you. He's everything. He's everything. He's everything. He's everything.